0: we're going to uh, finish up with our series on Ephesians this morning. Uh, it's been great to study the book of Ephesians together. It's such a rich letter, and it's so full of instruction and doctrine and doxology and worship of God. And uh, uh, I hope you found it as helpful as I have. And um, I went through it this morning again and read the whole letter, and just reminded myself of some of the areas that we've covered. And we've covered a lot of ground in these last three to four months as we've been going through it. So this morning, I'm going to finish up um, in Ephesians 6. We've been spending two or three weeks on the armor of God and this last section of this letter. And uh, I'm going to read it to you again this morning um, from verse 10 of chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And then these final greetings from Paul. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So last week David uh, spoke to us again on the armor of God uh, and he spoke in particular about uh, the the wiles of the devil, Uh, put on the full armor of God and so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, Because our our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual powers and spiritual powers of darkness. And and David talked to us last week about what some of those wiles are. I think the Greek is methodia. The methods, the wiles, the the schemes of Satan to uh, come against God's people. Uh, And uh, David took us through some of what those are and how we can resist them. And uh, in the previous week, I talked about the three commands of this section, which was be strong. Be strong not just in your own strength, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I talked about putting on the full armor of God, and we did a quick survey of those six or seven pieces of armor. And then the final command of Paul is stand. But there's one more command that I find in this passage that I want to talk to us about this morning as we as we draw this study to a close. And that is this, and pray. And pray in the Spirit, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for me also. So that's our fourth command that I want to think about this morning. And pray. Be strong Put on the full armor of God. Stand and pray. John Bunyan, when he was uh, writing about this passage, called this spiritual weapon, although it's not, it's not given a metaphorical weapon, prayer, it just says and pray. It doesn't, it doesn't align it to a piece of armor, but it is the seventh piece of, uh, of our spiritual warfare. And, and John Bunyan called this the weapon of all prayer. And uh, uh, and, and verse 18 lists five aspects of all prayer that we are to adapt. If we are to stand uh, in, our, in our battle, we are in a cosmic battle against evil forces. And if we are to stand as Christians, then this is a vital piece of our armor and our weaponry. All prayer. And there's five aspects to this prayer that we're going to look through this morning. The first aspect of this prayer, this weapon of all prayer, as Bunyan calls it, is to pray in the spirit. It's to be spirit-directed. It says here, pray in the spirit on all occasions. And pray in the spirit. It is a spirit-directed thing. And and this is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. 27. This is the New Living Translation. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for all believers in harmony with God's own will. So that passage in Romans that Paul writes there says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray. Are you ever in a circumstance or a situation and you think, I just don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray about this situation. But the Spirit of God who knows the will of the Father prays for us in inexpressible groans, it says in in Romans. The Bible says that Jesus prays for us. Jesus prays for us and intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that we have an advocate in Jesus. That, that though we should not sin, it says in 1 John, sometimes we do sin and when we do we have an advocate who is with the Father and who prays for us, who stands and intercedes for us. But this passage says that the Spirit of God helps us and prays for us and through us. Now, this can come in various ways. There is the ability to pray in tongues, which is a, a heavenly prayer language. And uh, this is what it says about praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. Tongues are just another, another language, unknown languages, or, or as, as Jack Hayford used to call it, a heavenly prayer language, uh, and praying in tongues. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 14, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will, be taking, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words that I understand. So Paul, in his teaching to the Corinthians, says that when we pray in tongues, this heavenly prayer language that we can ask God for, and exercise, and pray to, we don't necessarily know when we pray in tongues says we don't know what we are praying, but our spirit. The spirit of God is praying through us and praying in us. So we can pray with our mind. We can pray and know what we're praying. We can pray with our, our rational thinking. We can speak to God in words that are intelligible to each other. But sometimes also we can pray in tongues if we have that gift of the spirit. And it is, it is a, a heavenly prayer language. And it is, it is a lovely prayer language that every one of us can ask for and ask God to fill us with and to gift us with. And I remember as a young child, kneeling by my bedside with my mum and my brother and we would pray every night and and we would pray also for this gift of the Holy Spirit. I remember praying like this in my grandma's bathroom uh, for the first time. It wasn't spectacular or particularly amazing but it was just a heavenly prayer language that I developed over time that when we pray, we exercise our spirit and we pray in the spirit. And it is a gift of God to us. And it says that we don't understand what we are saying, but we are strengthened personally. So it says in Jude 20 also, with a similar phenomenon, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. And so Paul says here that we are to, if we are exercising this spiritual weapon of all prayer, we are to pray in the spirit. Now I think that covers praying in tongues, but I also think it covers praying in a way that we are directed by the spirit of God. Sometimes when we're praying, I would liken it to a bird flapping its wings, but at other times just catching a thermal. You know, when you're watching the the birds and you see them just catch a thermal and go up higher and just ride that thermal, I think sometimes when we're praying and when we pray in the Spirit, um, it's as if the Spirit is praying with us and through us and helping us and something perhaps becomes more urgent in our prayer or we pray in a certain direction or a scripture comes to our minds as we pray or we're praying for someone, we feel a real sense of Ownership of that prayer, a real sense of urgency, a real sense of pressing in, or a real sense to pray for someone. I had someone text me this last week and previously, a fellow pastor, and say, Jeff, I was just praying this morning and you really came to my mind and you were really on my heart. So I just want you to know that I've been praying for you this morning. And I would say, knowing what was happening that day, that that was a spirit directed prayer. As someone was kneeling, A a, a good distance away, uh, I came to their mind. They felt led to pray for me and they lifted me up before the Lord. And we can do that with one another. And at times when we're praying, maybe that someone comes into your mind, someone you feel a sense of urgency, you feel, I've not seen such a buddy for a while, I feel they've been on my mind a lot. Just follow that possible leading of the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit in your prayers. We can do this with the help of scripture as well. As as we read scripture, certain scriptures come to mind. We may feel the ability and the urgency to pray those scriptures over someone or over ourselves. So I think when Paul is speaking about spirit-directed prayer as a spiritual weapon, it could cover all of those those things. It it could uh, cover praying in tongues. but Not everybody prays in tongues. Not everybody speaks in tongues but it could also cover being led by the Spirit of God and praying under His direction. He helps us. He helps us in our weakness. He groans with unutterable groans. He is there to help us and to intercede for us and with us. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can go to a different level of prayer at times. The, other, uh, the second aspect of uh, all prayer, this weapon of prayer, that is so vital in our armory as Christians is that it is continual. And pray in the spirit, Paul says, on all occasions. Or in the ESV, it says, praying at all times. This was the experience of the early church. We read in Acts chapter one, verse 14, they all met together and were continually, constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus, in Acts one verse fourteen, Paul told the Thessalonians. He said, "Pray without ceasing. Just continually keep on praying." And of course, in this letter, Paul has spoken of his constant prayer for the Ephesian believers in in Ephesians one. Verses 15 and seven to 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of revelation so that you may know him better. Praying at all times. I have not stopped praying for you, Paul says, as he writes to these Ephesian believers. And he says here, Praying the Spirit on all occasions, praying at all times. His teaching and his doctrine and his instruction is infused with prayer. As we've read through this letter, we see Paul slipping in and out of prayer effortlessly. I don't know if you know those kind of Christians. I've known Christians uh, of, of long standing. That they can just as easily, if you're sat in a room with them, they could just as easily slip into prayer, slip into talking to God, and back to conversation with you. It's just a natural flowing of prayer and conversation with God. John Wesley, speaking of himself, but in the third person, said, "His heart is ever lifted up to God at all times and in all places. In this he is never hindered, much less interrupted by any personal thing. In retirement or company, in leisure, business or conversation, His heart is ever with the Lord, whether He is down or rises up, God is all in his thoughts. As we've looked at the Psalms, we've found Psalms that reflect morning prayer. Psalm uh, 5, we've found Psalms that reflect evening prayer. Psalm 4. And uh, as we see the pattern of Daniel in the Bible, praying in the morning and at noon and in the evening, there is a flow of constant prayer. As one preacher said, I don't often preach longer than five, I pray longer than five minutes, but I very rarely go five minutes without praying. And Brother Lawrence would practice the presence of God, and wherever he was, he'd be in a constant form of prayer. And so we are to pray continually, Paul says. Pray in the spirit, pray on all occasions, or pray at all times. And the third aspect of this weapon of prayer, of all prayer, is that it's varied as well. It says here, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. If we pray continually in all kinds of situations and scenarios, we will pray varied prayers and have different kinds of conversations. My life would be very strange indeed. If I only ever talked to Jenny or my children in one way, in one place, for one set length of time... My various interactions with them are very different throughout the day. Sometimes our conversations are snatched. Sometimes they are deep and meaningful. Sometimes they're very short. Sometimes they are funny. Sometimes they are serious. Sometimes they are painful. Sometimes they are joyful. But as I interact with them, uh, our conversations are different depending on the circumstances and the time of day and the, and the things that we're talking about. And so it is with God. And Paul says, come with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests as you speak to the Lord. These can vary so much. It may may be a time of confession where we confess to the Lord things that we've done wrong. And we say sorry. But if that was all we ever did, what a relationship that would be if my children only ever came to me and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I wouldn't want that as a father. I wouldn't want that kind of relationship with them. But there's times where we come with thanksgiving and we say, thank you to the Lord. Isn't this what Paul said to the Philippians? Bring your prayers and petitions with thanksgiving as you make your requests known to the Lord. And then this peace of God will come to you. At at times, there may be types types of prayer where we intercede, where we, we pray for other people and we We feel that we really want to lift other people up before the Lord. Sometimes uh, it's helpful to pray scripture. And uh, Tim Keller's excellent book on prayer very much puts together scripture and prayer always. To pray out of scripture. It's a a wonderful way to pray. When we read a passage of scripture and then we pray it. We pray what we've read. Or there's meditation on God's word. Or there's singing God's word. There are so many ways that we can talk to God there's no right way or there's no wrong way. And sometimes we get so taken up with the ritual of prayer or the timing of prayer or the location of prayer. But I would say what others have said, keep it short, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep praying and, uh, and don't worry about the format so much. For me, uh, I sometimes would journal my prayers. I, I write them down. At other times when I don't know what to pray, or I feel barren in my heart, I will pray the Lord's Prayer. I will lean on the Lord's Prayer. And I will pray through the structured prayer, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And I will pray through that prayer. At other times, I will take a scripture, and I will pray scripture. At other times, there may be times of fasting and prayer, of extended prayer, where we have times of focused prayer with the Lord. I find myself praying arrow prayers, shooting arrow prayers to God uh, just before a conversation or a phone call. I find myself, uh, as I run sometimes, praying or thinking or turning my thoughts towards God. So there's many ways, and what Paul says, if you're going to use this weapon, it's a varied way with all kinds of prayers and requests. We sing that old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a privilege to be able to talk to God about anything. At any time, in any place, there is no restriction on our ability to speak with God. And it says in that song, doesn't it? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And my encouragement to you at the end of this series is to do that. You know, the verses go on. Have we got trials or temptations? Have we got trouble? You know, are are we discouraged? Then we should take that to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak? Are we heavy laden? Are we cumbered with care? We should take it to the Lord in prayer. One of my journal entries this last week in my prayers was from uh, the Psalm 55:22 which is engraved on mine and Jenny's wedding rings it was a very meaningful verse to us as we got married it was cast your cares on the lord and he will sustain you he will never let the righteous be forsaken and uh, i had a period of of casting my cares on the lord casting them on him writing them down uh, are we weak and heavy laden are we cumbered with a load of care Precious sa- sa- saviour is still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. So there's all kinds of prayers. Sometimes it's joyful, exuberant prayer. I uh, remember David saying when he's out on the golf course and enjoy it, he's made a good shot, which doesn't happen that very often. But just the occasional good shot, and the sun is shining. He's enjoying God's creation. And it's, it's just enjoy God's creation and thank him for this amazing scene and for the ability to enjoy it. Just thank the Lord sometimes exuberantly and and give him praise. So the, 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 the third aspect of all prayer, this weapon of prayer, the first aspect is that it's spirit directed and pray in the spirit. The second aspect is that it's continual, praying at all times. Praying in the Spirit on all occasions. The third aspect of all prayer is that it is varied with all kinds of prayers and requests. And the fourth aspect is that it is persistent. Be alert, Paul says, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Be alert, that old joke, be alert your country needs alerts. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The fourth aspect of all prayers is that it is, it is, it's persistent. Keep alert with all pers- perseverance, it says in one, in one version. Pastor R. Kent Hughes uh, recounts how he prayed for 30 years for his brother to come to know Jesus. And then he writes of his experience after 30 years of praying for his brother to know Christ. He said, one February, my wife and I vacationed with my brother And his wife in northern Maine. I had been praying for him for over 30 years since we were boys that he would come to know Christ and be born again. We journeyed to our snowboard vacation with great expectations, which were not to be disappointed. And the second night together, he broached the subject, saying, In essence, let's talk about my soul. And all of us talked long into the night about our journeys to Christ. And on the following morning, I said, I would like to talk some more alone with him. And he replied, that was just what he was going to suggest. And so in the leather chaired ambience of an old 1920s Wayne Scott paneled library, we reviewed the essentials of the faith. Then we got on our knees together as he repented and asked Christ into his life. And we stood and we hugged and we walked to the other end of the house where he announced, If I die tonight, I will beat you all there. And then he embraced his lovely wife for several minutes while we stood around and wiped away tears. 30 years of praying for someone to come to know the Lord. Some of you have been praying for a long time for people that you love and that you want to know Jesus. You want them to know Jesus like you know Jesus. You want them to come to faith like you've come to faith. You want them to know what it is to have eternal life and eternal hope. And some of you are persisting and and keep on persisting in prayer. Jesus told this parable, didn't he, of of a persistent widow, which has perplexed some people because it seems to show God as a grouchy old judge, but it doesn't. And one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up, never give up praying. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, Jesus is doing what he does best, he's telling stories to get under the radar of his hearers, and to hammer home an important point. And he said, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a, judge, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And so Paul is encouraging us here and I'm encouraging us again to stick at it, to persevere in prayer. That's what he says, be alert and always keep on praying. Keep alert with all perseverance, he says. So it is persistent prayer. And the fifth aspect of all prayer is that it's intercessory. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, Paul says, pray for me. What an awesome figure the Apostle Paul was, if you look at him. If you listen to his, his spiritual warfare experiences, listen to his, kind of the life that he has lived as he's sitting here in chains, writing these words and saying, please pray for me. Because it, elsewhere he says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five times 39 lashes. He's still got the scar tissue. To prove this life that he has lived. And three times I was beaten with rods. He's got marks all over his body. And once I was stoned. (laughs) And three times I was shipwrecked. And once I spent a whole night and a whole day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I face danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I face danger in the cities. I face danger in the deserts and on the seas. I face danger from men who claim to be believers, but they're not. I've worked hard and I've worked long. I've enjoyed many sleepless nights. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without having enough clothing to keep me warm and then besides all of this i've got the daily burden of my concern for all the churches what what a veteran of the faith what what a warrior this is the guy that could write to timothy and could say i have fought the good fight i have kept the faith i have done it i've been through all of this stuff and i've still stood he's got the marks to prove it he's got the spiritual scar tissue and this old, crusty veteran of the faith still needs these believers to pray for him. <laughs> he says, please pray for me. Please pray for me that I won't lose courage. Please pray for me that I will still speak boldly when I need to. Please, please pray for me that I'll be able to proclaim the gospel with fearlessness. Please pray for me. And, and this is intercessory prayer. And this is what Paul has been doing throughout this letter to the Ephesians he just keeps praying for them. He says, I, I haven't stopped praying for you. I can't stop praying for you, you Ephesian believers, that you will know what God has done. You'll understand the hope that he's called you to, the calling that's on your life, the inheritance of the saints. I want you to understand the power of God in your lives and in your communities. He just keeps pouring prayers forth for these people. But he says, as I pray for you, would you please pray for me? Pray for me, lift me up to the Lord. And this is not some kind of lightweight guy. This is a veteran of the faith. It's intercessory prayer. It's the weapon of prayer. And we can all engage it for one another. And so I would say to you as a congregation, pray for one another. I will pray for you, you pray for me, we pray for one another. That's the challenge of this weapon of prayer. We might not be able to see one another at times. We might not be able to interact with one another at times. But we cannot be limited in our prayers. We can pray across boundaries, across geography, across cultures, across time. We can get down on our knees, which is where our battle is at, and we can pray. We can pray for one another. And that's what Paul is doing here, chained to a Roman guard, painting the picture of spiritual warfare. And he's saying, let's use this weapon of prayer. For one another, intercessory prayer. I will pray for you. You pray for me. Do we pray for others? We are, if we believe scripture is true, and I believe it is, we are in a cosmic battle. <laughs> for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the rulers, we wrestle against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The spiritual weapons of our warfare as Paul has painted them are truth and righteousness and peace and faith and confidence, the word and prayer. Prayer that is spirit-directed, prayer that is continual, prayer that is varied, prayer that is persistent and prayer that is intercessory. And to quote as we finish I will read a a quote from John Piper on this aspect of prayer as we enter into the holiday season. Unless I'm badly mistaken, writes John Piper in his book Desiring God, one of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant life of prayer is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't plan to. If you want to take a four-week holiday, you don't just get up one summer morning and say, Hey, let's go away today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go. Nothing has been planned, unless you're Rachel and Hamish, and then you might do that. But the rest of us. But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day. We realize that significant times of prayer should be part of our life. But nothing is ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. No time. No place, no procedure. We all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences in prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. If you don't plan a vacation, you'll probably stay home and watch TV. And the natural, unplanned flow of spiritual life sinks to the lowest ebb of vitality. There is a race to be run. There is a fight to be fought. If you want renewal in your life of prayer, you must plan to see it. Therefore, my simple exhortation is this. Let us take time this very day to rethink our priorities and how prayer fits in. Make some new resolve. Try some new venture with God. Set a time, set a place. Choose a portion of scripture to guide you. Don't be tyrannized in the press of busy days. We all need mid-course corrections. Make this day a day of turning to prayer for the glory of God and the fullness of your joy. As we come into the month of August and uh, maybe have different rhythms and different schedules, let's commit to pray, to take up our weapon of prayer, to pray for one another, and uh, to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. May God guide us as we do so. Let's pray as we close out this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth and light and life. We thank you, God, that you have not left us without an armory or without weapons, but you have given us righteousness and truth and peace. You've fitted our feet with the readiness of the gospel. You've given us a breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, who, as we've sung and proclaimed this morning, died for us on the cross. The righteousness of a life living out of that reality, the helmet of salvation, the hope that we have, that we are saved, that we can lift our heads without shame, that we can think differently because of what you have done for us. We thank you that you've given us the word of God, which is like a a two-edged sword, and we thank you for the all weapon, all prayer, of all prayer. We pray this morning, God, that we would show serious intent, Lord, in these coming days, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to turn to you in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. And we wanna bring everything to you in prayer, Lord. We pray that as we employ these weapons, and even as a church, Lord, next weekend, as we commit ourselves to 24 hours of prayer, intentional prayer, where we seek God together as a church. We pray, God, that as we pray throughout that day and throughout that night, God, that you would hear our prayers and that you would answer us. We thank you that we don't come to a grumpy judge, but we come to a loving heavenly Father who will give us what we ask for as we persist in prayer. So we come to you, Lord, with faith. We pray that you will find faith on the earth and faith in this church as we lift our eyes heavenwards. So inspire us afresh, we pray. Bless us in these coming days, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.